I'm Rebecca Hidalgo Reigns with Grateful Heart TV. Today I had wonderful Rachel Garovich come to join us today to share with you her knowledge about speaking in public, about writing books, all kinds of fantastic things. We broke it into two different episodes because there's so much content and we want to blow you guys away with her inspirational story of coming out and where she used to be, which was an Orthodox, I mean, honestly, this woman has some chutzpah, I think I said it right, of where she's come from and where she's going and where she's been, and I love her story so much. So I hope you guys check out both episodes with Rachel Garovich. Welcome to our show and thanks for joining us. This is Grateful Heart, the motivational Arizona real estate and business show. We're here to inspire you to believe in yourself, to dare to dream about your infinite and divine possibilities, to blow open your mind to creating your most abundant reality possible as our thoughts are so powerful. I found turning my own personal grief into gratitude raised my vibration to be in tune for receiving prosperity, help and connecting to God's source. I'm your host, Rebecca Rains of Integrity All-Stars at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and I have been selling homes here in the Valley since 1993. If you have any questions and are watching us live on our Facebook page, you can comment and we will do our best to answer while we are live on the show, so do not be shy. Today on our program, we have some great guests for you. Live from Phoenix, Arizona, it's The Grateful Heart Show with your host, Rebecca Rains. Welcome to Grateful Heart TV. I am so delighted to have my wonderful guest, Rachel Gurvich, here with me today. Rachel, welcome. Thank you. Today's show is something special, and I have been anticipating this morning for so long. Rachel, as you guys know, if you're a fan of the show, from time to time, I like to bring on guests that I find inspirational, motivational, and oh my goodness, the story that Rachel is going to share with us today, you guys are going to be not just enthralled, but you're going to be wanting to watch the next episode because we're doing two. It's a double whammy with Rachel Gurevich today. The first topic is going to be about something near and dear to my heart. And then the second topic is something that I really cannot wait to learn more about. Rachel, thank you for being with us today. You're welcome. I'm excited. Thank I, you. I know. This is so awesome to get to see you in person. So Rachel and I met probably going on, what would you say, maybe three years ago? Does that sound about right? It could be. It could, it be, could right. be. I'm three. not sure when I, you joined Toastmasters. I feel like it was three years ago. So Rachel yeah. and I met in Toastmasters. You guys all know if you've been watching my show or listening on podcast that I am a huge fan. I'm a huge fan for so many reasons. But the reason <laughs> behind Rachel, which is really cute and actually I have to share, the first meeting <laughs> I went to, I sat next to this adorable woman and because she's Rachel and I'm Rebecca, for some reason, everybody likes to interchange our names. So the head guy called, kept calling me Rachel that day. Yeah. And then my last meeting, I popped in on, like, literally, Steve goes, hey, Rachel, thanks for coming today. And I'm like, in three years, you still don't know my name, Steve? What the hell, man? That's great. Yeah, he's the best. So I've been badgering her because there's, like, so many wonderful things about Rachel's story. When I say inspirational, my entire show, I've got riddled with different quotes of Rachel's. But this is the first one that I found in her signature line. First, say to yourself, what would be, and then do what you have to do. What makes that your signature line, Rachel? Yeah, first say to yourself what you would be, and then do what you have to do. You need to know where you're going. What What do you want? Like, what do you want from life? Mm -hmm. You can't, you could, a lot of people want to start with the doing, right? right. They want to just go to school if they have some sort of career or they want to, I don't know, like if they want to write a book, they just want to start writing the book. But where are you going? You need to know what it is you're like 
aiming at, right? So say to yourself, what would you be? What is it, this dream of what you want to be? And then do it. And don't put the emphasis on what you're doing. Put the emphasis on what you're going to be. Who are you going to be? It's like, you know. Oh, I'm just getting chills all over the place. Um, So, you know, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I'm a huge fan of a lot of different people that have the belief system. It doesn't matter. You don't have to figure out the how. Mm -hmm. You just need to know where you're going. And the universe tends to deliver what it is that you're focusing on, right? Yes. But until you focus, until you know where you're going, how do you get there? Exactly. And there's something, I don't know, have you ever heard of Danielle Laporte? Have you I heard? have not. Who's that? She's really cool. She's this inspirational writer slash blogger slash life coach. Danielle what? Danielle Laporte. And she has this book. I want to say it's her called, up. what is it called? Something like, something feelings. Something about feelings. The point is, it changed my whole life about how you see goals. I was right. always a big goal person. What do I want to be? What do I want to do? And her thing is, goals are not the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say your goal was to write a book, just okay. as an example. Sure. She's like, that's the wrong way. Because that's not really what you want. What you want is a feeling. It's of the, actually having that book done. Maybe accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want some sort of feeling of attention. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to feel confident. What is the feeling? And then after you know the feeling, then figure out how to get to that feeling. Oh, I love it. And that, that's exactly what this is about. What do you want to be? And then figure out what you have to do. I believe um, what Dr. Joe says is that you have to, the language of the mind is emotion and the, the feelings are the language of the body. Yes. So until you can like quantify it or feel it, the emotion of what that's gonna feel like to be there. Right, right, right. And we all have to decide what the there is. Exactly, exactly. And you might think that the thing you want is the goal, but actually that's not what you want. And then you do this goal and you're like, oh, I, I don't know, I wanna be manager of this company, this is my goal. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and you're not happy and you're like, why? And the reason is because you never wanted to be a manager, what you wanted to feel was confident or you wanted to have some sense of control in your life and there would have been like such a much better way to go about that but versus you, going and going what fighting to be like, the, the manager exactly of the job. what seemed like the right way that was the wrong goal but you had this feeling if you uh-huh. could just start with the feeling if you could just start with the feeling if you just start there that sounds so like a, easy it's, it's not, it's not, yeah it's and, not. and that's all we're going to talk about today so yes. womb warrior and creative writer yeah Rachel's website, I got lost in this morning, and it's so simple. It's (laughs) rachelgurovich.com. Just look her up and check it out. I'm telling you, I got lost in it. Womb warrior and creative writer. Now, that is quite a title. So did you decide, I'm going to be a womb warrior slash creative writer, and then boom, there you go? Or how did this come about? No. (laughs) No. No. What happened was, is I decided, wait, step back. Okay. I always wanted to be a writer. Okay. I always wanted to be a writer. In my family, however, you do not go to school and study English. That's okay. just not a thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, English majors serve French fries at McDonald's. That's what I was taught. English writers serve French fries at McDonald's. English majors. Oh, majors. Okay. Yeah, so I was not about to study English in school. So that would be ridiculous. So, of course, I studied math. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Time out. Let's <laughs> yes. talk about, Rachel, where did you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. But don't you, yes. how did you end up spending time in Jerusalem? Oh, how do I get to Israel? Yes. Yes. I lived in Israel from 2005 to 2014. Okay. So and that's a different part of your story. Whole, yes. And we exactly. are getting into it. Yes. Okay. We will. Okay. Yes. So what was I telling you? You were telling me. Oh, how I became a woman writer, creative writer. So this is how that happened. I studied mathematics because that's what I had to do. Right. I got married um, August of my senior college year and had my first child 
a month after graduation. Okay. At the time, I was an Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Jew, mm -hmm. and you get married, and you have kids, and that's what you do, and that's... When you say ultra orthodox, am I, I'm envisioning somebody who keeps their hair covered at all yes. times in public. And I think? it's actually really funny. The picture you included for the show is a picture of me in my wig, and I don't think you knew that. No, it's not my hair. No. <laughs> yes, and I saw that, and I'm like, oh, that's so funny. That's the picture. Why she Why were you wearing a wig? Because I had to cover my hair. So you could wear a wig, but you can't yes. show your own real hair. Correct. Who After, knew? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it was a wig. And the first time I showed up to Toastmasters, I was wearing a wig. Were you really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so she is a veteran <laughs> at Toastmasters. Her and I met, I was, you know, just a couple years in it, and she's been doing it, what, eight years now? Since 2000... Seven years. 14? Seven years then. Okay. Yeah. So you wore a wig the first meeting. Yes, for many meetings. And I remember the first meeting I came to not wearing a wig. It was creepy. Oh, wow. Okay, so this was another <laughs> quote that stood out yes. at me as I was going through and preparing for today's show. Turning your life upside down in order to get it right side I've up. I've done this a lot of times. <laughs> that you turned your life upside down. Yeah, so we're, absolutely. We're a young woman in Pittsburgh. We're going to school. You, you get pregnant. You have a baby. You yes. get married and all of this. And, and I want to be a writer. And and you want to be a writer. I want to be a writer. And, but but you I get, have this degree in math. In math. And so now I'm at home with a baby, and I'm like, okay. With a math degree. With a math degree. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I want to still be a writer. Right. So I started looking up online information on how to become a writer, and I found this website that doesn't exist anymore called Mom Writers. Uh-huh. And it was just a group of mothers who want to write all different types, new writers, experienced writers, and I got inspired by this group. I looked at these people, and I'm like, I want to be them. I want to do this. Uh-huh. And the thing they always teach you when you become a writer is write what you know. Start there. Write what you know. Mm -hmm. So I just had a baby. <laughs> Talked about having a baby. Let's talk about having a baby. And I started looking <clears> for <throat> writing jobs, and I found this publisher that wanted to write, have a book that had to do with labor and delivery. I kind of know about that. I gave birth once. <laughs> that makes me an expert. And yet you haven't gone to nursing school yet or any of that. I had no real experience. Okay, so let's time out because we are saving the juice yes, for yes, episode two. Yes. Yeah, so let's let's steer. We can go back to we're, that. we're coming back to this. Yes. But when you turned your life upside down, yes. and when I met you in Toastmasters, I have to share this because Interesting fact, you know that people who master public speaking skills typically earn 30% more money. I learned that from going to training at Toastmasters with you like years ago, and I thought that was so cool because I had my own um, issues with speaking mm -hmm. in public, and as people who have watched my show or listened can tell that I'm not shy person, yeah. but we all have those gremlins and the doubt and the yes. fears and all of that stuff. So we maybe sometimes just try to shelf that and yes. just go about our day. Yes. But the real growth happens when we become uncomfortable. Yes. You turn Absolutely. your life upside down to fix it all up. So Absolutely. we're going to come back to the whole writing part of things. But yes. I want to talk about what got you to Toastmasters the first yeah. time with your wig on. Okay. So let me tell you. <laughs> so my Toastmasters journey begins actually in Israel. Oh. It was before I left Israel. I lived, as I said, before I lived in mm -hmm. Israel from 2005 to 2014. When I lived there, I spoke Hebrew, and I do speak Hebrew, but it's like bad Hebrew, not fluently. Mm -hmm. So I spent nine years in a country where I couldn't communicate well with people. I was always feeling not confident, and I was sure. already shy, and I was already... You shy? Yes, very shy, unbelievably shy. <laughs> yes, it's true. 
<laughs> and in Israel, it just made it worse because uh-huh. I would have. I just went to the supermarket. <clears throat> I would feel incompetent because I can't speak. And I wanted to. We wanted. I wanted to move back to America. Uh-huh. The whole reason we lived in Israel was for religious reasons, and I didn't want to be there anymore. Right. Long story. Point is, I wanted. We're to coming leave. back to that. Yes, story. we will come back to that. I wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of leaving. I cannot remember how I found out about Toastmasters. Like, I can't figure out where I first heard about it. But when I did, I thought, you know what? When I move back to America, I'm going to join Toastmasters. And the reason I wanted to join Toastmasters when we moved back was because I knew that if I could stand in front of a group and speak, then I could definitely talk to a supermarket cashier. You absolutely could. Have all these conversations with people. And that was my plan. So we moved back to Israel. I moved back to America. Mm -hmm. And you know how it is when you make goals like that. You're like, I'll do it later. Yeah, I do know. I'm not going to do it now. I knew about Toastmasters for about 20 years before I made it there. (laughs) So yeah, no, I totally know how that goes. I moved back. I think we moved back to America in May. Uh And maybe June or July, I didn't even have that much time. I found out from Rizal that I was being given this award for my infertility writing, the Hope Award for Achievement. Oh my gosh! And to get this award, I had to go to New York City and stand in front of a huge group of people and give an acceptance speech. Oh, okay. I just got chills. Yes. I, bet, I bet you probably were like crying inside. Yes. Both out of fear <laughs> and excitement. Yes. I didn't know. I was. I didn't know how to feel. Right. I didn't know how to feel. And I thought, okay, now I have to join Toastmasters. You and have I, to. I reached out to a bunch of clubs, and within a week, you I was found Akatio. Yeah, with the goal of that, I have the speech to give, mm-hmm. and that's what. So I So you thought to you do. were just going to go through, do your speech, and bounce out? Yes, exactly. I was going to give my speech. I was going to be fine, and that was it. And I did. I was in Toastmasters. I want to say three or four months before I had to give that speech. Uh huh. And what I noticed was in that three to four month period of time, uh-huh. it was way more than about giving, giving a some speech, ex- as an acceptance speech that took, I guess, three minutes uh-huh. or less, uh-huh. but it felt like. Like an, an hour. hour? Yes, I know the feeling. <laughs> yes, it was awful. Uh-huh. I mean, it was great, but it was awful at the right. same time. And I decided to stay in Toastmasters because it, it truly helped me change my life in many, many ways. In many, many ways. Yes. I am a firm believer, and I, of course, have my own story, but I'm here to hear your story yeah, today. Yeah. But what re- reminds me is, you remember my nephew, I brought Dalton mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. for the same reason, because he, I was mentoring him in real estate. And I could see, like, he was really good. Yeah. But when he was speaking with people because of his age and, ex- and lack of experience, he was not very sure of himself. And I got to watch him bloom and blossom because yes. for the same thing. Yes. If you can stand up in front of a sh- bunch of strangers and talk and your ha- heart is pounding, then the one-to-one is much easier. Oh, yeah. It's like nothing. It's like all of a sudden you just turn overnight and your confidence level, when you can achieve anything, I think your yes. confidence level just magnifies, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And it sounds like that's exactly why you you stuck with it. I did, yeah, absolutely. And I have to tell you, you are one of my favorite speakers. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I've hopped on since then you, and then um, I'll leave the other one un- a nameless, but there is somebody else I really enjoy watching because when a good speaker who's really put the time into mm-hmm. writing the speech, has the outline, has the flow, has it down, they are so entertaining and so inspiring. And I got to experience that. You were there when I went into competition for Toastmasters mm-hmm. and to actually watch some of these other people that just put me to shame. Like they were. You were um, great. I, well, but they, Stop. But there were some serious, oh, amazing yeah, talent. Absolutely, yeah. I still remember this little Hispanic man. He was the best. You probably know who I'm talking about. He got down on his knees. Like he was like acting in a play. Yes. And I was like, okay, I could lose to him. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I totally. Right. I, yeah. I, if I'm going to lose to somebody, he's the one to lose to, right? Yeah. Because he was so dang cute. But 
I was just, he brought me into his story. Yes. And that's what good speakers can do. Yes, yes. And I would definitely say you have achieved being a great speaker. Besides that, let me just hit on a couple of things mm-hmm. for anybody who might be listening. Um, you're also now a nurse, mm-hmm. a doula. I'm not a doula. You're not? Everyone assumes I am because I wrote three books about them. <laughs> okay, but I'm well, not. <laughs> we're going to get to that in episode two, how that happened. But if you go to Rachel's website, you're going to learn so much about her. Besides the fact of her education, you went to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. you got a math degree, mm-hmm. and then you turned around and got a nursing degree. Yes. And you help people because of your own passion and yes. your own experience. Why don't you share what I'm pointing to here on the screen? Yeah, the infertility story. Yeah, sure. So as I was saying earlier, ultra-Orthodox Judaism, you just pop out kids. That's what you do. That's what you do. That's what you do. And probably a failure if you don't. Yes, very, mm-hmm. very much so. So I had my first two children without any problems at all, back mm-hmm. to back. They were two years apart. It was perfect. And I was about to have my third of six or ten children ideally ideally at least six to ten <laughs> yes that's the minimum that's and a maximum the, range that's the goal exactly okay. and i went to go try to have my third baby and i it didn't happen mm-hmm. and time went on and then i did get pregnant and then i miscarried Ugh. and then i tried again and i miscarried and everything was not going the way it was supposed to go. Let's put it that way. Right. And in the end, the, my fertility story t- starts in 2003, mm-hmm. and I gave birth to my twins in 2010. So, so seven, seven years. years of miscarriages, Jinx. trying, yes. <laughs> Pinch poke, you owe me a coat. <laughs> <laughs> um, tr- um, trying miscarriages. I did take a break, a two-year mm-hmm. break in there. After my third miscarriage, I said to my doctor, I can't just do too this much. anymore. I can't lose an I felt like if I got pregnant again and lost another baby. It was a failure on you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then in the community I was in, in I would say in the secular world, mm-hmm. if you have two children, no one really blinks an eye. Like right. two kids is almost an average, I think. Yeah, it's like probably an three. embarrassment. Like what you only had two? What's yeah, wrong with exactly. you? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was very it was a very big standout. People see how old your oldest kid is, they see this huge gap and there's all these feelings that come up. Ideas wow. like maybe they're using birth control. Is there something wrong with and her? And they're not supposed to and you're not, not supposed you're not to. Su- you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to unless there's something wrong with you okay so and then again there's another wrong label with me or something's wrong with me right either I'm e- there's medically no wrong or yeah or I'm emotionally wrong something mm-hmm. isn't right and it was very embarrassing and very upsetting and it became this this goal to have obviously another child uh-huh. and then I was actually about to give up before mm-hmm. I had my twins which is a whole thing I went to do it was my third treatment with injectables okay. and I was told by my doctor that if this didn't work we had to do IVF which is in vitro right which is in mm-hmm. vitro and at this point, I had actually been writing about fertility for a while. And I knew a lot about IVF without having done it myself. Sure. And I knew I didn't want it. Okay. I knew that it's just my, I'm not saying sure. there's anything wrong with it. Right, I but it wasn't your choice. I personally didn't want to be that invasive to mm-hmm. have a baby. I was like, let's just stop and be the end. So we go to do the third cycle. A bunch of things went wrong. I was absolutely positive it was not going to work out. And I had a dentist appointment. And I had a dentist appointment the day before I was supposed to take a pregnancy test. And uh-huh. I thought, you know, they're going to take x-rays. I'll just take a pregnancy test just in case. And I assumed it was going to be negative. And I took it, and it was positive. And I just, like, flipped out. Oh! And I woke up my now ex-husband. And I'm like, look at this, look at this. What do you see? And he looks at it. He's like, are you pregnant? I'm like, you see the line, too? You see it? And then I spent that whole pregnancy just being terrified of losing the oh, pregnancy because of, you just had three miscarriages and when i had them when mm-hmm. i had the twins they were born in jerusalem mm-hmm. 
and I was about to take them home on the seventh day, and I was so in denial about this pregnancy being real. The nurse says to me, do you have clothes to put them in? Because in Israel, you don't bring them home the clothes. Sure. You have, you put, you have to bring your own clothes. Right. And I looked at my then husband, and I'm like, we don't have any clothes. We don't have anything. Because I just, didn't even, you were afraid probably to even go was, and do no. that. I, I was like, this isn't Ugh. real. It's not real. And then for like a year afterwards, I would tell people, do you know I have twins? Do you know I have a baby? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think the reason why I wanted to bring up something like this, because I personally had a miscarriage. Mm. And I think a lot of women go through that very alone. Yes. And there's so many emotions behind it. And, you know, listening to you takes me back to the time period where I had a whole week of laying up bed waiting to pass the baby. And I had this crazy fever and they finally had to do a DNC for me. Mm-hmm. And all those fears and everything that you just said, I don't care if it was one miscarriage or three or what your struggles yeah, are. Yeah. It's a scary time to go through. It's a scary thing to go through. And if you don't have a supportive person that you're with, too, yeah. it makes it 10 times tougher. Yeah. So, yeah, that was ex-husband for me as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, it's it's something that I know people look for others when they're in that. So if anybody's listening today, I'm sure they can get a wealth of information and advice yeah. from you yeah. about everything having to do with having children. And you're a nurse now. So yes. let, let, now me, I'm a nurse. let me fast forward real quick because... <laughs> mm-hmm. How did you go from being a, with a math degree to becoming a nurse? Was it just because of all of the writing that you had done that led you down the medical journey? So I became a nurse because, so so I had been a writer, mm-hmm. and I was a very successful writer. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know if you want to say the writing industry changed, changed, the world changed, whatever it is. It went from a time when I was fully capable of having a very good income as a writer, and my writer income just went down and down and down and down. Oh, wow. For what I was doing. Okay. And I'm not saying you can't. Right. Do well and support yourself as a writer. You can, but it just wasn't good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. In the midst of all of this, I also knew I wanted to leave my marriage. Yeah. And I knew that I could not make enough money as a writer to support. I have four children. So that wasn't an option for me to write. I needed a different job. So I thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to support my family? You mean the math degree wasn't going to take care of four kids? So (laughs) the funny thing is, I'm like, I had this math degree. I could technically get some sort of job that has to do with math or engineering. Or I could go back to school and get an engineering degree. Sure. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I've spent all this time, all these years writing about health and wellness. I'm so into health and wellness. Why don't I become a nurse and do the things I've been writing about? And it, for realsies. Right, exactly. Okay. Instead of just pretending and playing a doctor <laughs> on the internet, I could be like a real nurse. And I did that. And I'm. it was a really good decision. I was really worried about it. Well, I, I know. Thought, like, I was, I'm going to go. It's not going to be well, but it was awesome. I was so- somewhat sad because that meant you weren't coming to Toastmasters Friday mornings I during know. that time period. But hey, lo and behold, you are now an RN officially. Yes. And... We haven't even talked about Toastmasters yet. Yes. Not really. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back, and we're going to finish telling you all the wonderful reasons why you want to go check out a Toastmasters class. Be right back. If you're looking for a mortgage, you need a personalized plan, not a click-button get mortgage option. 
My team and I have saved families thousands by proactively planning their home purchase or a refinance. Buying a home is a huge decision and it deserves a strategic approach. My team and I provide a comprehensive mortgage plan, including a complete credit analysis outlining the steps needed to improve your credit score and help you qualify for the best rates and terms in the market. Visit us at tkteam.us today. We'll ensure you get the best guidance so you can make the best decisions. The TK Team, moving you forward. Hi, I'm Rebecca Hidalgo Rains with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. I've been selling homes here in the Valley for over a quarter of a century already. I want to say that experience truly matters. So when you're looking for your realtor to help you either buy or sell your biggest purchase of your life, I hope you'll consider using me. However, my experience doesn't matter nearly as much as my clients' experience. I dare you to Google me. You'll see nothing but fantastic reviews because I truly care to help navigate you and your family to the very best experience you'll ever have with buying a home. Hi, my name is Rob Sell. I'm with Sell Home Inspections. Been doing home inspections in the Valley for about 20 years. I do a variety of home inspections from new builds, resale, commercial, multifamily units, fourplexes, duplexes, and even on up from there. I can be reached at 602-908-7355. Again, 602-908-7355. Thank you and I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have you been thinking about buying a new house or refinancing your existing mortgage? Interest rates are still around historically low levels. Why pay a higher rate when you don't have to? Call Joe Smith, me, at Epic Mortgage LLC, 602-741-4121 for a free mortgage quote or pre-qualification. Epic Mortgage LLC is a locally owned, independent mortgage brokerage that provides low-cost options for its customers. Independently owned means low overhead, so you get the best rates, fees, and service. Keep more of your money. Brokers are better. Realtor recommended for over 20 years? Contact me, Joe Smith, at Epic Mortgage today, 602-741-4121. Whether purchasing a home or refinancing, we know you have choices when it comes to choosing a title company. Lawyer's Title is the leading source for all title, escrow, and marketing needs. With access to the largest group of title insurance underwriters, Lawyer's Title facilitates successful closings and protects clients from fraud. Creating solutions that save time and money for everyone, ask a realtor or a loan officer today about using Lawyer's Title on your next real estate transaction. Lawyer's Title is a member of the Fidelity National Financial Family. Okay, we're back. That was a quick one. Here we are. Rachel, I, I asked you for permission yes. ahead of time. Yes. So for I go ahead and scroll in on this photo because I want the audience, <laughs> for those of you guys who are actually watching on video, to check out this image. And for those that are listening on podcast, Rachel, can you describe what this image is that I asked if I could share? Sure, absolutely. It's the top of Pikachu Peak. I think that's how you say it. Sometimes mm -hmm. I pronounce it Pikachu, but I'm pretty sure that's Picacho. not right. <laughs> yeah, it's not Pikachu. <laughs> it's not Pikachu Peak, but I like calling it that. Pikachu Peak, it's a really cool hike if you enjoy hiking and risk is mm -hmm. a, a good one. And I had climbed to the top of it with my cousin Jenna, who I absolutely adore, who's in vet school right now. And that is the picture. Okay, so I want the story behind the picture. Yes. You described the picture pretty well I'll for those that were story. just listening. <laughs> and it was really interesting that I found this on Facebook because I always stalk every guest before they come on so I can pull out fun things that you yeah. weren't anticipating talking about. 
And when I heard you tell me or share with me the story about this picture, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad I picked it out. So with that background, go ahead and lead into what this is all about. This is a monumental moment that my cousin Jenna did not know about until afterwards, four or five weeks later. <laughs> so my cousin told me she was coming to visit. I was super excited. It happened to be, this is beginning of March, right? Isn't it? March yes. 1st. This is three weeks before COVID-19 changes the whole world. Okay. And it's two weeks before I tell my husband that I'm going to leave him. Oh, wow. And I knew that. Right. I knew I was going to do that. My cousin didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And my cousin's visiting. I'm thinking, okay, this is a chance to tell my cousin she's going to be here in person. I want to tell her. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing I wanted to talk about. Right. The other thing I wanted to talk about that I didn't come out later, I didn't come out so much later about it, which was being queer. I right. came out about being queer. Okay. And my cousin, who's gay, I felt like I always wanted to tell her. Right. And when I came out to my sister, I came out to my sister two years before this. Mm -hmm. And the first thing she asked <clears throat> me was, well, did you tell Jenna? Right. And I was like, no. And why would like, I tell Jenna? I, yeah. She was like, why would you not tell Jenna? Like, isn't she like the natural person in the family to tell? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just scared. So I knew she was visiting. We're going to go on this hike. I'm super excited to see her. I'm super excited to spend time with her. And, and tell thinking, her about all these changes in your yes. life. I'm like, we got this whole mountain to climb somewhere between here, there, and there. I must be able to say, hey, by the way, I'm going to divorce my husband of 22 years that I never really wanted to marry because it was a whole religious thing and that. Oh, and oh, also and by the way, queer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted to thanks. tell her. And I thought about the whole way up. And the whole way down. And it never came out. No, I couldn't say it. I was so scared to tell her. I was terrified to tell her. Now, in retrospect, have you discovered or figured out why you were scared? No, I still don't know why I was scared. But I do know this. Mm -hmm. I know that when I posted about uh, divorcing my husband, because then it did come out that I left him and I told I told my cousin about it. Mm -hmm. She, I told her and she's like, oh, like you didn't tell me when I was there. And I was like, I know, because I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> and every, it, but her, what she said to me, and I think that this is true for a lot of things when you speak the truth about something. Sure. She's like, well, I knew something was wrong. It wasn't a secret. We think that we're hiding things that we're like, oh, everything looks pretty on the outside. Right. She already knew something wasn't right. She could feel you. She could feel it. She yeah. could feel it. She could see it. She knew something wasn't <clears> right. <throat> and she she knew. And then the same thing when I came out as being queer, and she she said, why didn't you ever tell me? I'm like, I don't know. I was scared. <laughs> But in the end, uh -huh. after doing that, after after telling my husband I was going to leave him, after telling people that I was going to be divorced, mm -hmm. which in the religious community, even though I'm not a part of it, it's a big shame sure. to be divorced. And even though I'm not in that community anymore, I still feel that right. that embarrassment. Same with being queer. Obviously, that's not okay. Why is it not okay? It, not, not in the religious, religious community. <laughs> okay. But it's definitely okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. It's absolutely okay. Every single time I said, shared one of these things, I always felt like I was going to die. I'm going to die. The world's going to end. Everyone's going to hate me. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to just fall into a mm. hole. And then after the fear goes and after the I'm dying, I can't breathe goes, it always felt better. It felt like a lightness. It felt like a freedom. A relief. A relief. An yeah. amazing relief. And I'm like, what was I so scared of? But I'll be scared the next time. So, of course, that segues <laughs> perfectly into yes. this quote that I had to bold and put in a highlight. <laughs> yes. If one thing I have learned over the past few years is that speaking your truth is terrifying, but if you always feel freer and lighter, so much better once it's out and you're past the initial, oh my God, I'm going to die stage. Yes. Always. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I applaud you for your authenticity and for your courage 
because yeah. it does take courage to come even on my show and share yeah, what you absolutely. just shared because absolutely. you know anybody from our clubs watching of course and you're like oh my gosh I didn't know that about me but so what right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you feel matter. better now that you've talked exactly. about it exactly and and before these things were secrets right like, my marriage isn't good that's a secret I don't want to be religious anymore that's a secret right. I, I don't want to live in Israel it's a secret and then once it's not a secret it feels so much better oh my god it's so much such better. a relief it's so much better and you know a lot of us have these stories of fear and yes. overcoming fear and that's what I find so inspirational and what I'm hoping the people that are watching today because I had my share of stories of fear and I could certainly relate to your miscarriage story on the screen right now is an image from <laughs> our Toastmaster days together I'm not a current member but I really enjoyed my time I just only have yeah. so many hours and yeah. there's another quote you said that I'm quoting you later on the next show okay that ties into that <laughs> okay but <clears throat> This, I used to, when I, and you know this, Rachel, when I was on the club, or when I was on the club, when I was in the club and I was getting ready to give a speech, I liked to go on Facebook Live. Because for that me, was so cool. For me, that was scary. <laughs> yeah. You know, because that is where we grow. The more mm -hmm. uncomfortable we are, the more, you know, everything is more real. Yes. And so I would go on Facebook Live and I would record our show, or my, or my shows, my speeches. <laughs> it was your show at it the moment. It was my show at the moment, it was. <laughs> and this particular speech is called uh, That Damned Film Cowboy Hat. I remember it. <laughs> so I've been doing real estate for 28 years now. I just started with that uh, sentence with the clutch word. Why did I say so? I have no idea. I have nothing to it. There's so many things we learn when you go to Toastmasters. Seriously, I cannot watch TV the same at all anymore. It's awful. It is terrible. Politicians, it's just the They're the worst. By far. <laughs> yes. And if you go to Toastmasters, you're going to see what I were talking about with table topics and all the other fun little clickers and things that we do to improve. But once we improve, life is so much better. So the story that I shared with the group that day was my real estate like oh my gosh i just wanted to crawl under the table in the fetal position start sucking my thumb i was in a room mm. full of salespeople and i choked and this was a room full of hostile salespeople because in real estate people are pretty competitive and i was like a little bit of a top dog and i was always winning awards and making sales and so to see me i think shudder and like fail mm -hmm. was like not just my worst nightmare coming in real life happening but <clears throat> it also made me now years later go back and appreciate how much I've grown yeah and it was that experience that made me not want to take a management position I was scared to death and then I was like oh my gosh I'm about to talk in front of people like there yeah. were so many things I had to do to overcome my fear I used to stutter when I was speaking <laughs> like in this room full of salespeople I was like duh, duh. Uh, and, and yeah, it was just terrible. It was just terrible. But I, was, I got over it, and I became a sales manager, and I led many sales meetings. And that was before Toastmasters. And now that I am a past member of Toastmasters, I couldn't be a bigger fan because of everything it did do for me. I feel mm -hmm. like it really polished my speaking, my natural speaking abilities. Yeah. But it does give you that confidence to start a podcast on video. It does yes. give you confidence to do so many amazing things. And what I think is even cooler, if Fry, if you can go to the screen close, I want the audience who's watching to get to see the screen. Toastmasters is now done on Zoom. Yes. 
How many people today are on Zoom meetings and are forced to speak in front of people that they never had to before? And it's a new skill. Talking on Zoom, you have to know to look into the camera. It's oh, a different skill. It's totally different. Completely different. So anybody who now all of a sudden at work is finding themselves not having to go in person, but they're on Zoom meetings all day long, and they want to look better and speak more proficiently and speak with more authority so people actually listen... I'm a huge fan. This is the Ocotillo Breakfast Club Toastmasters where Rachel and I are both Best members. Club. Best, Best club, club ever. There we love that one. club. But there are a lot of amazing <laughs> yes, ones. Are. And actually, you'd be surprised. Anywhere in the country, you just go on their website, type in your zip code. There's going to be mm. meetings being held everywhere around you. And I'm sure they're going to start going back in person. Yeah. Our club is still doing it on Zoom, which is a wonderful skill set to learn. So much so that after I stopped doing Toastmasters, my very first, one of my very first shows I did, I was sharing with Rachel. I don't know why the, oh, I don't know what happened there, why it's great. But one of the very <laughs> first shows I did was with Peter Salazar, Program Quality Directors at Toastmasters, and he's an amazing I man to him. watch. So, so if, great. if you guys actually have enjoyed anything that we've talked about today, I will encourage you to A, go back to Grateful Heart and check out our um, show that I did with Peter Salazar. And Rachel, I don't know, but I'm assuming that there's probably a couple more things that you would like to add about Toastmasters before we end this segment, because we're going to roll into show number two, which is all about writing a book. Yes. Okay, so there's something that I got out of Toastmasters. Maybe it's unique. I'm sure it's unique, which is in the community that it came from, Mm -hmm. you only interact with the people who are in your community. That's just the way it is. You might interact with outsiders, but there's this wall. And the wall is kind of invisible, but it's also kind of Mm non-invisible. I had come to Toastmasters right after living in Israel for nine years, so I was surrounded by religious people all All the the time. time. All the time. I come to America, and now I'm surrounded by... Americans. (laughs) Americans. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of random ones because our group yes. is a very mixed group. Yes, it is. Our Toastmaster group is very mixed. And to- when I came to Toastmasters, it was the first time in I don't know how many years that I was in a, probably since college, so since 1999, uh-huh. that I was in a group of people who were not religious Jews and I was expected to communicate with them. <gasps> Yeah, so number one, I had to communicate with them. Two, there was something else I had to do at Toastmasters that nobody thinks about, but I thought about. It was a huge anxiety for me. In Toastmasters, we shake hands, right? Yes, we do. Shake hands. Mm -hmm. In ultra-Orthodox Judaism, women and men do not touch, and they do not shake hands. Really? No, not at all. I came to Toastmasters, and I knew that some modern Orthodox people are willing to break that line. I was not modern Orthodox. Mm -hmm. But I thought, here's an opportunity. I'm the only one here. I'm the only religious Jew in this room. (laughs) Nobody's going to know if I shake hands with Steve. Nobody's going to (laughs) know. No one's going to know. No. So I thought, you know what? I talked to my husband about it because that's what you do. Right. And I did. And he's like, that's fine. He doesn't care. And I shook hands with Steve or whatever male who happened to be in the group, which feels probably not like a big deal to most people. But to me, you had to ask for permission from your husband at the time. I had to talk to him about it. Of course I did. Absolutely. These are the rules. And it's. We wouldn't even thought twice about it. Never do. Never. But every time I shook hands in Toastmasters, I thought I'm doing something. So I'm in this group, I'm shaking hands, I'm talking to these people, and I'm not just talking to them, I'm building relationships with them. You are. And all these ideas that you have, and this is not unique to ultra-Orthodox Jews, and this is unique to any fundamentalist religion. You are taught that people outside the group are, I don't know, sex, drug, drinking, hungry, crazy people. They're terrible people, and that's why we don't associate with them. Wow. All cults look at the outside world that way. Sure. 
And I come to Toastmasters and I meet people like you and I meet people like Steve and I meet people like Emmy who used to be in our group. And these are really nice people. And they're not having sex naked on the street outside the meetings. And it's very and weird. It's not what I thought happened. You mean they weren't doing lines of coke in the no! between speeches? And I was like, it's so strange. <laughs> and they're just so nice and so good. And uh-huh. it started changing how I saw things. And I thought, wow, the world outside of my world is not what I thought it was. And then everything starts to kind of... Not to discourage religious people from going to Toastmasters, but it starts to kind of fall apart. But then in a it, good way. But isn't that how we started this whole episode? In a good way. You turn your life upside down to turn it right side back up. Okay, I can't finish the show any better than that. All I know is you guys better tune in and listen to episode two as we continue to talk with the Rachel Gurevich. So hopefully you guys enjoyed Everything that you learned listening to Rachel, whether it was about Toastmasters or whether it was about writing books or just her own story of coming out and her stories of miscarriage. Oh my goodness, she is an amazing woman. So you can actually hire her. You can book her for your next writing project by going to her website, rachelgarevich.com. If you're not sure how to spell it, it's R-A-C-H-E-L-G-U-R-E-V-I-C-H.com. You can also reach her at rachel.garevich at gmail.com. Her website, I already mentioned, but she's also on Facebook. You can find her almost anywhere, and I hope you do because she's an amazing woman, and I'm probably going to be hiring her myself for my next writing project when I discover what it is. What a great show, and thank you for joining us on our mutual journey to becoming unharmable and successful in all of our experiences while we're here in this school of life. We hope you enjoyed it. If you watched us on YouTube, please like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Likewise, if you're catching us on one of our podcast platforms, be sure to follow us so you never miss out on another one of our shows again. Remember that if you ever have a question about real estate or any of the other topics we cover, Check us out on the web, www.gratefulheart.tv, for all of our links to connect with us. Otherwise, we'll have another show for you again right here next Monday at 11 a.m. Arizona time. I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. I'm on vacation every single day, every single day.